Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Red Sox On Deck. This is episode number 31. I am your host, Bob Osgood, and we have two great baseball minds joining me today. Uh, first, my usual co-host. She writes for Over the Monster, The Dynasty Guru, and most recently, you can also find her work at NBC Sports Edge, Shelly Verstrate. Shelly, it's been a while. What's happening? Hey, Bob. Uh, yeah, it has been. It's been, wow, uh, <laughs> probably since like late last season. Um, yeah. Uh, it's been going great. Um, the Red Sox are finally starting to hit again, and the the minor leagues have just been like popping off with a lot of pitchers and like really interesting hitters that we're going to talk about today. Uh, but yeah, it's been pretty good. Been pretty good. Yeah, definitely. We're going to focus on pitching. Uh, we'll be a little more heavy with that today because our guest is uh, the lead fantasy baseball writer at Fantrax and. Uh, the host of the Fan Tracks Toolshed podcast with Chris Clegg. It's a great podcast that I highly recommend. Uh, also writes at Fantasy Pros, and since the last time we had him on, won the FSWA Baseball Writer of the Year Award in 2021. Uh, Mr. Eric Cross. Eric, thanks so much for coming back on the show with us, and congrats on all that. Yeah, thank you for having me back on. It's always a pleasure talking some Sox prospect with you both, and I appreciate the uh, warm welcome. Absolutely. Eric uh, resides in Maine and is a, a Portland Sea Dog aficionado, so we're going to lean on him a little <laughs> bit for his reviews of the Portland squad, specifically their exciting up-and-coming pitching staff. So we'll be diving into that a little bit later in the show. Um, kind of just before we get into the news and notes, a few different podcasts that we have on the Over the Monster Network. There's the Over the Monster podcast. There's the Red Seat got the precap everyone kind of has been filling in on each of those shows this year um and also if you have not already please leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to the over the monster podcast so i want to start off with some news and notes there was 
a few items of bad news and some good news as well. So we'll start with the bad and get that out of the way. Um, a few players have been placed on the injured list, the seven-day injured list that they have in the minor leagues. Um, Tristan Cassis has been out since the 17th with a sore ankle. He was placed on the IL on the 24th, which I think is kind of retroactive, but now that they've gotten to a week, seems pretty precautionary, and you can see why they would want to protect their star first baseman there. Um, Connor Siebold, same day on the 24th, placed on the IL with a, a pectoral injury. And then also Marcelo Meyer, who went on the IL with a right wrist sprain, it's kind of been listed as persistent soreness. He was out for a couple games with uh, wrist pain, then came back, hit pretty well in those few games that he was back, but now is on the IL, which isn't great news. You don't want to hear anything with the wrist. You think of players like Alex Kirilov and Brian Hayes over the last couple of years who were just, um, you know, kind of went down the wrong road after having those wrist injuries. So you, um, you can see why they want to be cautious. Um, with those kind of key players that are some of the top prospects in their system. Uh, I don't know, Chelly or Eric, if you have anything to add to those, uh, or the other one, which is Jeremy Wu Yelland, who had Tommy John surgery, and that's the, the fourth item of bad news that we're going to get out of the way here. Yeah, it's a lot of bad news, and that's not, especially with the two of those names are our two uh, quote-unquote top prospects on basically every uh, ranking system out there, so... Not great to see, but hopefully, especially with, with Cassis and with Mayer, it's just, like you said, just precautionary, just give them some ex extra rest. But, yeah, those wrist injuries, they are always seem to stick around, don't they? And they seem to have a way of sapping power, at least in the short term. Hopefully this isn't a long-term thing because Mayer was you know, quietly performing very well. Everyone's kind of looking at you know the power speed of, like, Cleo Watson and, and Jordan Lawler, but Mayer was hitting very well this year, just didn't have those huge gaudy numbers, so... Hopefully it's just a, a minor minor blip on the radar here, minor bump in the road, and he'll be back soon. So he's uh, very uh, very excited to see his development over the next couple of years. Yeah, and as you said, he's he's hitting three thirty three in uh, 75 at-bats so far this year, and all the reports have been pretty glowing on his development. So 19 years old, few years away, you can see why they would want to be cautious there. Um, it's kind of turned to some good news, and a name that – Popped out of nowhere for me, Brian Mata, who we haven't talked about since he had Tommy John surgery in April of 2021. Um, there was an Alex Spear article that's come out in the last week or so that he's pitching at extended spring training and topped out at 100 already, 13 months after having that Tommy John surgery. Um, Shelly, I don't know, we, we talked about Mata early in the year and then we probably didn't bring him up very much in the second half. Um, what did you think? when you saw that kind of just out of nowhere a name that who knows could be in the mix later this year or next year and another arm to to add into some of the other uh, prospects we're going to talk about today yeah i remember i remember seeing you know reading um that article and i was like wait what he's already hitting 100 he basically it just seemed like he just got back on the mound which is just insane right. um i was just I was just like blown away that he was already hitting that already. Um, I I, I kind of feel that um, Mata is probably just going to be a reliever going forward. And if the team and Mata also agree to just go be a, a lights out reliever, 
I think that he could be a like a really interesting guy. I was just I was just like you. I was shocked that he was already hitting a hundred. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in that article, it sounds like you know it'll start off in the complex league, which actually is starting earlier this year, early June, which is about two weeks from now. Uh, we'll spend a lot of the year in Worcester. Who knows? I mean, he's going to be right in Worcester with a, a couple other names that we're going to talk about today, and. I can tell you that the the big league team needs some relief help. So who knows if he could give 20, 30 innings down the line if things are looking good in Worcester compared to some of the other names that we're seeing. Um, but back in 2019, you know, he had a 3.43 ERA and 111 strikeouts <clears throat> to 42 walks and 105 innings. So like you said, it could be in a relief role. And if that goes well, um, they can make a decision next year. I mean, whether he gets to Worcester or Boston kind of remains to be seen. Uh, a couple of call-ups, promotions. Brian Bayo was promoted to AAA, and in his debut outing on the 19th, he struck out 10 at Worcester. We're going to talk to Eric a little more later about Bayo. And another one, uh, Frank German was promoted to AAA. Kind of saw some recent high leverage usage in AA. He was throwing later in the games. They were bringing him in. Uh, with runners on base, which was different than the, what they were doing the first month of the season. So, Shelly, do you think they might be grooming him for a call-up later in the year, another potential relief name? Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there is a possibility that we see him um, maybe like towards, you know, August or September, um, just as like a, a late-season uh, late boost to the bullpen. You know, he's a 24-year-old, you know, right-hander, and he has just been, like, lights out so far this year. Yeah. Um, in about 11 innings, he has a three, uh, 318 ERA, but a .79 whip, and he's just striking out everybody, essentially. He has a 14 uh, K per nine with a two uh, walks per nine. Like, he's just been out outstanding i hope that he can when he gets you know up to worcester he could still be striking out as you know as many batters as he has been um but i've just been extremely impressed um with him so far yeah eric did you get any eyes on uh german in any of the games that you attended at double a or uh, have we not seen him yet yeah no i i saw him uh earlier this year and and even last year too i saw him he was here Last year, obviously this year, much more impressive than last year. That's easy to say. And I think this move to the bullpen. So last year he made, uh, I think it was most of his, I think he had some relief outings, but it was primarily as a starter. And he just didn't look that great as a starter. I mean, there was a little bit of hype around him when we, when we got him from the, from the Yankees or a couple years uh, before. But I was like, oh man, this guy isn't going to be really much of anything as a starter. So seeing him move to the bullpen this year, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm a little intrigued by that. Let's see how it goes. And yeah, it was uh, very impressive. Like Shelby mentioned all the numbers. He's striking out a ton of guys, 18 strikeouts uh, out of the 46 batters he faced, whip under one. And I kind of thought that that would be a better role for him. He's always had the, the big fastball, nice little slider as well. Uh, there's been so much good pitching, and we'll get into a lot more of that later on. But even in the guys like in the bullpen, uh, there's a couple of other names in the bullpen as well uh, that were here in, in Portland that are just like, all right, mid-90s with a, a good secondary, and, and he was the one that stood out the most. So uh, as we know, Red Sox uh, really need some bullpen help, and I don't know if he's a guy that's going to you know correct that, but definitely can't hurt over some of the uh, names we've been trotting out there. So it'll be interesting to see how quickly he moves through Worcester and gets up to Boston. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
agree with that. I think that one other name that is worth talking about while we're going over the news and notes is Noah Song. And we didn't get any news at all for two years um, while he was um, completing flight school. And Noah Song actually turns 25 years old this week. So who knows? Uh, while he was, so he starred in the Navy and was considered one of the best pitching prospects, but fell to the fourth round back in 2019. Um, so the Red Sox kind of knew what the quote-unquote risk was there and that he could have a career that was going to be interrupted by those obligations. So he's now applying for a waiver to resume his baseball career. Uh, and really, that's just news that isn't news. We don't know what's going to happen with the waiver, whether he's going to uh, continue on with flying or if he's going to go back to baseball. And if he does go back to baseball, who knows what his stuff looks like, whether he's been throwing bullpen sessions on the flight deck or uh, what <laughs> he's been doing out there. But an interesting arm, and the last time we saw him, he was ranked pretty high in a lot of prospect lists, as high as almost four and five, I think, that we saw in 2019, 2020, before he left. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, threw upwards of 98, 99 miles an hour. So not a whole lot to report there, but just some interesting news and Hopefully, you know, whichever way it goes, the best to, to know a song. But it'll be interesting to see, kind of get some, some clarity on that situation, which we haven't had uh, for a while. And let me see. I think that was it. And we did have a, a question, and that was from Gavin Blackburn, who, again, we always appreciate you listening to the show and ask, is, is now a good time to ask what's going on with Noah's song? So... He did bring that up initially about two weeks ago and pointed me in that direction to the article. So thank you, Gavin, as always, for listening and pointing that one out. All right, moving along to some performances of note over the past month and this season. We're just going to kind of bounce around to some different names. Um, Eric, we'll start with you. As we mentioned, you've gotten a, a look at the rotation in AA Portland and four names that come to mind, Brian Bayo, Brandon Walter, Chris Murphy, Jay Groom. I'm going to leave it up to you. Where do you want to start with this one? And, and what have you seen? What changes? Who has stood out the most? Um, and kind of just what you see with some of the roles in these players uh, and, and what their potential might be. Yeah, it's it's been a really fun year for pitching up, up here in Portland. Uh, always cold weather going to these games in uh, April and May, but it's been uh, – definitely fun to watch these guys you know Bayo obviously is is the biggest name on on this list here biggest you know the top pitching prospect in our system and a guy that's turning really developing into one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball not not just here in this Red Sox organization he has been and he was he was impressive last year but this year it's just been he's taken it up to like the, the next level with this performance sits mid 90s touches you know 98 99 miles an hour with good life the changeup is so stinking good. I, I love Brown Bayo's changeup. A lot of depth to it, you know, with some fade as well. He can miss bats at a very high clip with that. And the slider is an above average offering as well, I believe. Uh, more of like a tight uh, kind of gyro slider, not like a big sweeper. Um, but a lot of late break that hitters have a hard time squaring up. And, you know, solid command and control as well. So I think if anyone's going to turn into anything more than a mid-rotation guy, it's definitely Bayo. But... Outside of him, I think the next most impressive guy for me this year, and really the one of the more surprising, uh, you know, pitchers that I was really surprised at how good they looked, 
you know, in this in the last few years, not just this year, it was Brendan Walter. I know Shelly, you love Brendan Walter as well. He has just been like he's not a guy that blows you away, and you know, I think that's kind of why he's a little, little older. I think he's twenty four, so it's not like he's like twenty one or anything like that. Like like Bayo is, I think he often gets overlooked. But this is a guy that was the Red Sox minor league pitcher of the year last year. And even then, I was like, all right, he was a little old for, for high A, so let's see how he looks in double A. That's kind of the real test, get up to the higher levels. And he's been very, very good. I think outside of, like, one outing where he just got absolutely rocked for, like, seven earned over an inning and a third or something like that, yep. he's just been putting out, like, you know, six innings, one run, five and a third, one run, six innings, two runs, stuff like that. And he's been striking out a ton of guys as well. And I believe he still only has one walk on the year, which is absolutely insane. This guy just puts everything where he wants to, you know, works low 90s, but good sink, good run, touches like 93, 94 at times, but he won't get much higher than that. Uh, good good changeup as well. It's above average changeup at least. And his slider is above average too. Like I, I think all three of his offerings are above average. And his slider's got some, I'm not exactly comparing it to Chris Sale's slider, obviously, but it's got some Chris Sale characteristics to it. Similar velocity, you know, around like 78, 79, 80 miles an hour. So it's a little bit um, slower in terms of the slider velocity scale, but, you know, big, like, kind of, um, like a wiffle ball break to it. So you got a big sweeper, and he can, he can land it for strikes. He can make, he can get hitters to chase it outside the zone. So uh, I think he's going to be a guy that just keeps surprising people and that keeps just performing. And uh, maybe he's not more than, like, a number four type of starter, but I think this is a guy that you could look to, you know, fast forward a decade down the road, and he's, you know, in the middle of a pretty solid major league career. So. Yeah, he's definitely been the one that's uh, really surprised me the most this year. Yeah, Eric, do, do you think that the the arm angle that he comes at from the left side, it's it, when I finally got eyes on Walter, that was what stuck out the most to me. I mean, he, you say he doesn't overpower you with the fastball, but he gets so many strikeouts, and I don't know, as a left-handed hitter myself, I cringe at the thought of facing a guy <laughs> coming down from the side like that, but he also, as you said, has such great control. He walks less than one batter an inning. Um, and it just seems like that angle that he's coming at is is probably not something, especially that that minor leaguers, um, you know, see with that kind of stuff. Right. No, absolutely. It's that lower arm slot and the lower release point as well. So it's really it's a tough pickup, even for righties. It's just tough for anybody to pick it up. And like I said, that that the command of the fastball is so good, and even though it doesn't have the velocity, it's below average velocity, for, you know, for pitchers these days. But this the run and the sink he gets on it. It's really hard to square up, and if you if you get a piece of it, you know it's so many ground ball outs just got hitters pounding it into the ground, and yeah, just that combination. Like he he's just shows that you don't have to throw ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah, it's great. Obviously, it's great to have that velocity, but yeah. you can get by. You know, we've seen other pitchers get by with low nineties, you know, and just guys that command it well. And I think he's gonna be another one of those examples. Yeah, Shelley, anything that you wanted to add? I mean, you were the you were the first on the scene, at least that I heard, on Brandon Walter halfway through last season. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've just been absolutely impressed with what he's done this year. Uh, because, I mean, I mean, I was just really intrigued by the guy last year because he was like a 26-round pick back in 2019, and he was just putting up like all of these like strikeouts, you know, in – in a ball and high a and stuff like that and i'm just like well this is like pretty interesting i know that he's older for the level but it's kind of interesting so like when you know when rosters were announced this year 
and um he was on the the double a roster right for for portland i was like okay this is this is going to be an interesting test let's see if let's see how it goes like was he just getting away with just maybe being a little little bit more advanced you know from an age standpoint or whatever um but no he's like totally killed it this year and i i i just i try to get i try to watch as many starts as i can from him um, but if not, like, I always take a look at his stat line, like, whenever he pitches. And it's usually, like, really good. Um, again, I, I don't think that he's going to be, like, this super awesome ace or anything. But if he's able to honestly contribute anything to the roster as a 26-round pick, that is freaking awesome. And I just I just love him. It, he's so much fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, referencing the stats, obviously that's not everything, but in his first five starts of the season and then his most recent outing, so if you take those six starts specifically, outside of one series, which was at Hartford, where, as Eric said, he got blown up in both starts in the same series. They had a six-game series, I think. Um, outside of those two starts, he's thrown 36 innings, given up four runs, one walk, 50 strikeouts. So, Obviously, you have to look at the whole picture, but isolating just that incredible start, and then he, he ran into a wall a little bit for a week, but then he was great again, 11 strikeouts the other day. And those are just crazy numbers uh, for somebody that, that doesn't you know, throw with an elite fastball or anything like that. So um, the next name I wanted to bring up was Chris Murphy, and we talked a lot last year about his splits. There was... A website, Minor League Splits. Shelly, rest in peace. I, at least I, I can't find it anymore. <laughs> exactly, rest in peace. Man, we relied on that a lot last year. And against left-handers, you know, he had a FIP under one, and he had 15 strikeouts per nine. And then against right-handers, he had a FIP over four. And all of his home runs came against right-handers last year. And it just seemed to me that he could definitely be a major league arm, but probably more of a, a reliever who you'd only want to you know throw against three hitters or one time through the lineup or something like that but i was looking at uh, rotowire has a great tool where, where they'll split up those lefty and righty splits now and it seems to have kind of just been almost equal this year um that he's against left-handers he's striking out 11.9 per nine and against right-handers it's 10.5 with the same walk rate and both of the home runs that he's given up have been um, two left-handers. So I don't know if you've noticed that at all, Eric, or if you've seen any changes that, that Murphy has made, but it seems to me that as he's kind of stabilized things between the left-handed and right-handed splits, that that at least gives him potential to be a starting pitcher, you know, if all goes well. Yeah, I definitely think he could be a starter because in my live looks, he's got three pretty good secondary offerings, curveball, slider, and changeup. And, he showed a lot. I've seen him twice this year already, and he's shown a lot of confidence in that changeup, and that's really, you know, been I think beneficial to him against those righties. You know, neutralizing and able to go something they can throw that changeup down on the way, get them to swing and miss on that, and you know, and obviously he can go back to the the curveball and the slider. And the, the good thing about that, he's he's got the different. He's got three different like velocity ranges he throws, and he's got the fastball in the low nineties. He can get up into the mid nineties. I think he topped it at ninety six, uh, in both those starts I saw. And he's got the the slider, kind of like the low eighties, change up in the mid eighties, and then the curveball is more like the mid seventies. So not only is he kind of he's good at changing the hitter's eye level. 
but he's also he uh, he's able to mix that velocity well and really keep the hitters off balance. So again, kind of similar to I like you know Walter a little bit more, but similar to Walter, like he, he could be a solid back end starter. I got and then he could be a guy that's like a decent kind of like middle reliever, maybe not a setup guy, but maybe a guy pitches like the sixth, seventh inning. Like you said, bring him in against you know if you got a couple of tough lefties coming up uh, in the lineup, you can bring him in because I think. You know, with him sitting 92, 94, topping at 96, maybe in a short, shorter stint that ticks up to maybe he's averaging 94, 95, top it on 97, 98, uh, definitely could be a possibility. So uh, definitely, he's. I think he's going to provide some value to this uh, Red Sox team down the road, probably not in this year, but maybe next year. It's not quite sure. I think he's got a chance to start, but I think he could provide value in the, uh, like I said, in like a middle relief role as well. Awesome. Uh any thoughts on Jay Groom? I feel like every time that I'm out on Jay Groom, then I look at a box score today, and on Tuesday <laughs> afternoon he threw six shutout innings, or no earned, I should say, with nine strikeouts. And it's like every time I give up on Jay Groom, he dominates three starts in a row, and I feel like this is going to happen to me again this year. What have you seen in your in your live looks? It's funny. I literally said the exact same thing to a friend not too long ago. <laughs> it's like... In general, I've seen Groom twice this year. The first one was actually he got rocked in uh, the first start. He didn't even get out of the first inning. Uh, it was against uh, Binghamton, who had uh, Francisco Alvarez, Ronnie Mauricio, and Brett Beatty all in that lineup. He got the first guy to, to fly out, whoever's leading off. I forget who was leading off. And then 2-3-4 was, was those big three. He gave up a single to Alvarez, hit Beatty, single to Mauricio, or double to Mauricio, or something like that. And then it was like three walks, he got pulled. I, I don't like Groom, but again, every time I say that, he dominates. Like that next yeah. outing he had after that, you know, two thirds of an inning or whatever it was, he I think he went like had ten Ks and six and a third with one run. Like it kind of similar to what you just said. Like he just keeps having these outings just enough to keep you interested, right? right. And obviously he's got the you know that he was the big name. He was our first round pick. Was that twenty sixteen? Now it's so long ago. But if you take away the name, take away the fact that he was the first-round pick and all that came along with that, and you just watched him just watch him pitch, you wouldn't be impressed. The fastball is not good. He was top the last start. He was topping out. He I think he hit 92 a couple times, but it was like a lot of 89s, 90s, and it's not like he's you know got a good run and sink like Walter or commands it well. It's it's a below-average fastball in every way you look at it. The curveball is pretty solid. He's got that going for him, but Outside of that, like the slider's all right, changeups all right. There's nothing that really uh, stands out there. The command is not great. There's a lot of like below average grades I throw on a lot of his tools outside of the curveball, which I say was above average. But I don't think he's a starter long term. I don't think he's a high leverage reliever. I think he's a guy that's maybe use him as like a, a swing man or some depth, or maybe he's a guy that can give you a couple innings in a mop up role. I don't see any kind of big time role for Jay Groom. I hate to say that because we used a first round pick on him, but and I've talked to a few others in this organization as well that kind of echoed those those same sentiments. So I hate sure. to say it, but I just don't see uh, Groom being much of anything for us, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that uh, elite curveball that he had when he was first drafted has not come out the the other side of, of Tommy John surgery at the same. You know, you see fifty five rankings on it when it was upwards of close to 70 um, yeah. in some reports early on. Shelly, anything that you wanted to add about either Murphy or, or Groom? Uh, no, I, I pretty much echo um, everything. Um, 
it's definitely for me, Bayo, Walter, um, a little bit down, Murphy, and then sadly, uh, Groom at the bottom. Agreed. Yeah, so if we were looking forward to, to 2025, how many of these pitchers are in the, the starting rotation on opening day in, in 2025? Starting start with you, Eric. I'd, uh, it's so hard. I'll, I'll say two. I think Bayo definitely. And I think Walt, assuming they don't bring in you know free agents and, and it pushes Walter out, I think he definitely has the talent and you know stuff to, to start long-term. So I'll say two. Murphy probably in a middle relief role, and then who knows the groom? He might not even be. They might trade him away, you know, within the next year or two. That wouldn't surprise me. What do you think, Shelley? Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Um, I, I I do think that um, Walter is kind of like really on the fringe there because I do think that they might bring like some other guys in. Because as much as I love Walter, I don't know if he's necessarily a starter quality. Um, but definitely Bayo and kind of on water. Yeah. I'll go with one just because the pessimist in me says that we haven't developed any any starting pitchers since <laughs> John Lester. Maybe Why you got to bring Buffalo's. that up, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> That's some minor because details, I've, Bob. I've been burned before. Um, so I, I'm sold on Bayo, though. I'll tell you that much. And I, I think that all of these guys are at least two others. Um, I think will play a prominent role. Could be in relief, long relief, who knows? But I'll, I'll go with with just Bayo for now. And if if it's two, then I'll be pleasantly surprised. As you said, you know, I mean, hopefully Garrett Whitlock, despite a couple hiccups recently, you know, I, I think he'll be a long term rotation arm. And you add a couple of <clears throat> of free agent signings in, right? So we're talking three years down the line. Who knows? Uh, one thing I did like about Jay Groom, I watched an interview with him recently, and it just seems like that whole staff is, they're all pulling for each other. It doesn't seem like they're competing against, they're just trying to one-up each other each game, which they really have so much in this season. You know, they don't have great defense behind them, and the, the hitting isn't um, kind of pulling the weight that the staff is, but the staff has just been so good. It seems like they all have, you know, a good attitude and a good group there. So, I don't know, maybe they'll all come up together and uh and we'll see a group of them in in a year or two and then um so kind of just some other names that we wanted to highlight that we may have seen over the last month or so or that are having a good performance in may go right back to you eric for one more um david hamilton i know that's a, a guy that you've got some eyes on uh some live looks i saw that he got his 18th steal on tuesday afternoon uh, how much of that could play into, you know, potential major league speed? I mean, you see those numbers at, at A ball a lot with the different rules and some poor catchers, but 18 at double A by May 24th is pretty impressive. Yeah, no, he's got legit double plus speed, I think. I, I've seen several of his steals already this year. Unfortunately, I missed his offensive explosion in that first series where he had like, those two home runs and a triple in one game. I didn't make it to that game, unfortunately. But so you know, offensively, he's been okay. He's kind of cooled off since the hot couple of weeks to start the season. But on the bases, he he's a terror for for opposing pitchers. Even when he's not actually stealing, you look over, he'll he'll get on first, and he is just over there. He's dancing. He's taking big leads. He's making the he's making the pitcher 
cognizant of that he's there. Like he's he's making him think. He's making him, you know, he knows that there's always that threat that Hamilton's just going to take off. And usually he does. Like you mentioned all the steals he has. He's one of the top stolen base guys in the minor leagues this year. And he's efficient, too. Look at this year, 17, oh, he has 18 steal. Only been caught three times. Yeah. Last, last year, he was over in the uh, Milwaukee system. You mentioned in high A and then a little bit in double A. 52 total steals, only caught nine times. So overall, he's well above an 80% success rate. So he's not only is he very fast, but he's also very efficient, very smart base runner. I've seen him you know, score from well, – he was on a stolen base attempt, but he's, there was a little blooper kind of between um, the center fielder and the right fielder, and he scored all the way from first on that because he already was stealing, and he just he saw it drop and where the, the outfielders were. Yeah, he just kept hauling around the bases, he, and he beat the throw by a good, you know, five ten feet or so. So he's yeah. just a guy that I, I don't know if he's a starter. I don't know if he, you know, is enough at the plate to be an everyday starting outfielder or infielder. You know, he can play infield and outfield. Maybe he's a utility guy. I don't know. He because he's played some center, he's played some second, some short. That definitely helps. So maybe he's a guy that. Turns into a, a Jonathan VR type back when he was stealing a lot more bases when he was younger. Gets into the lineup, you know, a couple times a week and pinch runs and does all that. So definitely some value there. I don't know if he's going to be a, a big-name starter for us, but that speed is absolutely legit. And I think it's important to point out these these players that they traded, Hamilton being one of the players and, and Alex Benellis being another player that came over in the trade that sent Hunter Renfro uh, to Milwaukee and Jackie Bradley comes back and he's certainly not been the hitter nor did we expect him to be the hitter <laughs> so y- you really need those prospects to hit they bought two prospects is pretty much what they did um, looking at Benellis he's got 10 home runs and 28 RBI in 34 games on his first attempt here at high A and he's walking 19.9 percent of the time for a 410 OBP and that's what Benellis has to do because he has no speed and he's a, a corner infield, probably first base type, hitting from the left side. So kind of speed and field is not his forte. So he's got to hit and he's got to hit for power. And he's done that. Great eye, walking 20% of the time. You know, he's striking out 26 27%, which I think was expected. But the home runs are there. The OBP is great. He's WRC plus is 152. So kind of your reports there on Hamilton and Benellis playing well it's important to just keep those guys on the radar because Bradley's in front of you every day and he's <laughs> hitting okay at home and he's playing all right defense it seems like that outfield is incomplete similar to the bullpen but uh, both of those players that have had a good start so you know if you hit on one I think that probably long term you can at least uh, tolerate that a little bit um, Shelly, anything that you wanted to add on either of those players? And then I know you wanted to get into Ryan Fitzgerald a little bit. Uh, yeah, so I'll just I'll just go really into just Ryan Fitzgerald. Um, I don't really know if he's really just going to be anything, but I just really wanted to give him a hat tip for like kind of like what he has done this year. Um, I mean, he had a really, really good like first month of the year. And he's kind of like uh cooled off a little bit but he's still hitting extremely well he's hitting overall for the entire year at triple a as a 28 year old let me preface that um he said you know 293 357 593 he has nine home runs you know uh 
Um, yeah, so, and, and what I do like about him, that he pretty much plays all over the field. Um, he plays, you know, second base, third base, all of the outfield positions, uh, first base. So the only places that he hasn't played is behind the, behind the plate and pitching. Um, so I just really, I just really like him, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I would really like to see him just, you know, get some, get some time. Um, um, actually, you know, at Fenway, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. Probably not because it's kind of like a risky, uh, kind of thing. Cause you have no idea what this guy's going to do, but I don't know. Like, what do you guys think about him? Like, if, is this just like, like a quad a guy that, you know, whenever you're like looking through like minor league box scores, you're like, Oh look, Ryan Fitzgerald still, still killing it, but you're not really expecting much. Like, what do you think about him? Start with you, Eric. I think he could maybe be a decent little like utility guy. You mentioned Shelley that he's played all over the field outside outside of pitcher and catcher, and who knows? Like we've seen Yadi Molina and Albert Pujols pitch, so who knows? Anybody can pitch these <laughs> days. Um, that that's a fun little thing, huh? But uh, but yeah, like they they don't really have a lot on the bench. Like the bench right now is Ploiecki, that you know being the backup catcher, Bobby Dahlbeck and kind of Franchi. They're in a platoon there at first, and you got Christian Arroyo. So there's not really a ton of, of bench guys there. So I could easily see Fitzgerald coming up and, you know, maybe it takes an injury, but he could, you know, upseat Arroyo or something like that. And he he was pretty impressive here last year in Portland. You know, he was here for uh, 95 games, hit 271, 13 home runs, and 30 doubles, too, with three triples. He had so 46 extra base hits in 95 games, so almost an extra base hit every other game. Uh, I said he hit 271, 351 OBP, and a 505 slug. And can I continue? Can he's continued that since going up to AAA the end of last year and into this year. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely intrigued. Maybe he's one of these late bloomers. Uh, he didn't even get drafted until he was uh, 23, 24 years old. So he's always been kind of a little bit older at every level. Then obviously missing, you know, having a 2020 season definitely doesn't help uh, for an older guy like him. Uh, being 28 now but yeah maybe he's a, a little utility guy i could see that kind of path for him at some point maybe later this year or even next year i i respect the hell out of the approach that he took which is basically well i'm gonna be too old or be out of the minors pretty soon so i'll make a swing change and just try to homer on every pitch <laughs> and i think he had five in the spring training and he has nine homers already uh, in 39 games and he's hitting 293 so the K rate isn't crazy, you know, and as he said, he's got the versatility. I thought he was going to be the call up when Shaw got released. It ended up being Franchi Cordero, and a lot of people rolled their eyes at that. Like, we're going to give this a shot again. Franchi's been pretty good, um, but I think Fitzgerald probably is the next guy in line. As you said, he's he's played a little bit of first base, Shelley. You know, they worked him in there even though he hadn't played before because it's probably the most likely case without an injury of where he had a, a potential spot to play so yeah i mean the average is good sure he's 28 years old but i would love to see him come up in like a uh the extra guy in a double header and get a start in one of the two games or something like that to just get his moment to get a, a few at bats in a big league game yeah for sure um I did want to ask both of you one other question regarding the, the catchers in the system, and, and that's kind of something that, that I've looked at in Connor Wong and Ronaldo Hernandez, and it seemed like they had 
you know, hopefully one of those would hit, right? Uh, I think they're both on the 40-man now. And Hernandez in 23 games is hitting 128, and he has 31 strikeouts and 91 plate appearances. And then Connor Wong, who we've seen come up a couple times and handles the pitching staff well. But at Worcester, he's hitting 190. He's got one extra base hit and 71 plate appearances, which just isn't going to get it done. And, you know, they can continue to go a year with Vasquez or they can throw some money at it in free agency. But I really was hoping that one of these two catchers would step up and be a potential starter in the long term, you know, maybe come up and back Vasquez up for a year or two and then eventually take the job and run with it. Should I, uh, am I giving up too, too quickly on either of these catchers? No, I, I don't think so. Honestly, I, even back when there was some hope for these two, I don't think either one really projected as much more than a backup anyway. And I think the Red Sox realized that. I just remember when, you know, leading up to to last year's draft, have us having the number four pick, there was a lot of chatter in the you know, draft circles about us really looking at Henry Davis, the catcher from Louisville. Obviously, he went number one overall to Pittsburgh, so we didn't have a chance at him, and it worked out we got Marcelo Mayer, but... I think they realize like, hey, we don't really have a a long term solution for once Vasquez, you know, leaves and again he's a free agent after this year, so who knows? I could easily see them retaining him. I think Vasquez likes it here from all uh, everything I've seen, but he's not gonna be here forever, so they gotta start thinking long term and who that next guy is and, and maybe they go to, like you mentioned, Bob, maybe they go tackle that via free agency this year or uh, you know, address it in the in the draft, but they don't really have that long-term guy. They did draft one uh, this past year whose name is escaping me. Oh, uh, Nathan Hickey um, out of Florida, Florida, right? Florida, yeah. I can't remember if it was Florida or Florida State. Yep. So maybe he was, he was a fifth-round guy this past year. Maybe he could be something. I'm not even sure he's more than a, a backup yeah. long-term. But, yeah, there's not really that one. Yeah, there's not really that that one guy that you see like, all right, this is the guy that's got to come up and be the starter, you know, when Vasquez leaves eventually. So, yeah, there's definitely a problem. <laughs> Any thoughts, Shelley? Uh, yeah, I totally echo that. Uh, you know, Vasquez and Plawecki are both free agents after this year, so I, I do think that we had the chance of signing, you know, like Eric said, signing Vasquez again to maybe a one or two year deal, but there's it's not a lot at the upper minors so I think catcher is going to be a major issue for this team going forward uh you know for the next two three three years something like that yeah all right uh one more question for you Eric before we get to a a listener question anyone at high a down in Greenville that that you're hoping gets called up selfishly uh soon so that you can you can take a look at up in Portland yeah, I, I keep talking to uh, my you know podcast co-hosts and good friend Chris Clegg that he's he's hogging all the uh, the good hitting talent down there in Greenville. <laughs> the the two actually three really that I want to see, and I'm sure I'll get to see them at some point this summer. Just a matter of when is uh, Sedan Rafaela, Alex Bonellis, who we already talked about, obviously, and then uh, Nick York. I think all three should be up. You know, York's. You know, not really having the greatest season this year. Not just especially not as good as last year. But but Alice, obviously, like you mentioned, we've uh, he's hitting very well. Rafael has been absolutely tearing it up. Chris had very spoke very highly of Rafael, both offensively, defensively, on the base pass. Like there's a lot of good, exciting tools there. But Alice has that pop from the quarter infield, and I still think Nick York is going to be a very good offensive uh, second baseman. So. 
hopefully all three of them get the call up here uh, sometime soon because I'm I like David Hamilton and all, but I'm 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 done seeing Hamilton. I've seen him enough this year. I've already seen him 10, 11, 12 times. I want some some new blood in this lineup, which doesn't really have much after after David Hamilton. So yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to seeing them when they get up here this summer. Yeah, I think. You know, we're talking about it at the very end. Uh, we talked about it a little bit in the last episode, but this has to be the best story of the minor leagues in the Red Sox system is Sedan Raffaella. I mean, you know, some of it is off some some poor pitching and some smaller ballparks that they played in, but he's kept it rolling. He's still hitting 315. And he's been on fire for a couple of weeks again after he started the season like that. Has nine homers, 29 RBI. 34 runs in 37 games, 11 steals. So, geez, I mean, that's that's every uh, fantasy baseball category, as we would say, <laughs> uh, in, in, in your realm, Eric. And defensively, he's playing center field and shortstop, and it's just – it's really interesting at only the age of 21. This isn't a, a – I guess you could call it kind of a pop-up guy, but it's not a, a, a late – later age type of thing you know he's 21 he will be for the whole season he's still listed on fan graphs at 5'8 152 I have a weird feeling that he's uh, uh, grown a little bit since then kind of into to his body to get some of that power but I just think it's such a fascinating story and you know just shooting up lists across the board and we're just hearing that name more and more so I think you might be seeing him pretty soon I hope so and yeah he's definitely Chris Clegg even said that yeah he's definitely I'm trying to. I don't want to misquote Chris, but I want to say Chris said if he had to venture, he's pure guessing five ten, five eleven, and like one eighty at this point. Yeah, that definitely bigger than the the listed weight on Fangraphs. Yeah. Yep. All right, uh, Shelly. Any other names that we forgot, or anyone that you want to bring up, or have been watching uh, any film on? Uh, nope, nope. I think we uh, covered pretty much everyone that I really wanted to cover tonight. All right, awesome. We had one listener question, and it was from uh, our friend Taylor Case at T Case is Loaded, um, our pal from the Dynasty Guru. It just says, any thoughts on Winkowski? I have a feeling he's talking about Josh Winkowski. Does anyone have any thoughts about Josh Winkowski? I have some, but I'll go last. Shelly, you, you want to go on this one? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I think that he's, you know, okay. Um, I, I, I don't think that he's like going to be like a really a big starter or anything, but maybe he could be a reliever kind of thing. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about him. He's got a cool last name. I like that. <laughs> yeah. You, you kind of echo what I was going to say. Like, he's okay. Yeah. I, I don't really have any, any strong, uh, thoughts on him. He's, he's been a nice little story. He's been pitching well and triple a Wooster. I think I, I did think I did see him, uh, last year. If I recall, yes, he, he was here for most of the season last year before he got called up near the end of the year and. The fact that I don't remember much about seeing him kind of shows you like there's not a lot of excitement there. Maybe he's a guy, just a decent like org depth guy. Maybe a guy that can give you a, a spot start, yeah, spot start, tongue twister apparently. Uh, here, here and there, like, he's got good good control. Uh, he's he's walked well on. I think he's walked around like six percent of guys in his career, so good control. But it's not a big strikeout arm, so I'm not sure kind of where he fits in long term, but. Hey, maybe he could be this uh, guy that comes up and helps out in the bullpen this year, like Shelly mentioned. I'll have to tell Taylor that he's okay, that I'll shoot him a message after. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to strictly look at the numbers and throw a couple of things out there. He, going into his last start, he hadn't given up more than two earned runs in any outing. 
Okay. He threw six innings in his latest outing, giving up one run, and they sent him back out for the seventh. And he entered that seventh inning with a 1.93 ERA in seven starts. And he left that inning with a 3.13 ERA, which was four hits in a row, inherited runners. All those guys came in to score and left him with five runs and six innings line that I'm sure he was wishing that he uh, called it a day after six. But, you know, opponents are hitting 183 against him, and his whip is 0.85. And I don't know. I think that he deserves a shot, and I think that I look at so many relievers like Tyler Danish and Ryan Brazier and Salamora and Austin Davis that I just think that there's a whole wave of pitchers here between, you know, Cutter Crawford, Siebold, Winkowski, Bayo, who are all on the 40, and then and Brian Mata's on the 40, and Frank German and A.J. Politi and Walter and Murphy, and it's like they might not have gotten the requisite innings at AAA or AA to get called up yet, but I feel like there's a wave coming. And I don't want to just rely on that for all of their bullpen problems, but it seems like if they make a trade for a back-end reliever, which they have to do, they might be able to backfill those couple of last relief spots with two of these guys. I just don't know who those players are going to be. But I think it's worth giving them a shot because I don't need to see Ryan Brazier pitch again. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I'm done. He was good a couple years ago, and then I love him for it, but... Yeah, at this point, Brazier's not anybody I want to see in that bullpen anymore. Yeah. I'd like to, like you said, you know, maybe an org guy, but I'd like to see Winkowski pitch uh, a couple times in the big leagues and just see what he has to offer because it has to be better than some of the other things that we've seen this year. <laughs> but we'll end positively 6-1 and one this past week, so uh, I can let you both guess which game I went to during the seven-game homestand. Oh, that, that's oh, no. unfortunate. <laughs> I left in the first end of the first inning to go to the beer line, and when I got back, it was seven nothing, and then it was nine nothing two minutes later. So, fortunately, Native Valdi <laughs> came back the next time, but not the not the game that I needed to go to in that homestand. But Eric, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. This was great. I hope this was helpful. Um, do you want to kind of let everyone know where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work one more time? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at EricCross04. Most of my work is at Fantrax HQ. Do a little bit of stuff for Fantasy Pros as well. And, of course, the Fantrax Toolshed podcast with Chris Clegg that we do to two episodes a week. Um, but, yeah, thanks for having me on. It was uh, It's always fun talking with you both. And, you know, it's, it's, it's I love the fantasy side of things, obviously. Uh, but it's nice to just talk some real baseball, talk some Red Sox. It's, it's always fun. Obviously, I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, always have been. Uh, yeah, so thanks for having me on. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely, and um, I highly recommend following Eric. Is if you're if you play any type of fantasy baseball, whether it's redraft or dynasty, uh, or you just want to follow prospect information, Eric has a ton of that. And Shelly, you of course do as well. But we've got you on all the time. Do you want to let us know uh, where we can find you? Uh, yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter, uh, Shelly V underscore six four three. Um, I write for Over the Monster, a little bit at Pitcher List, and then here recently at NBC Sports Edge. All right, awesome. You can find me at Bob Osgood15. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon.